0: Switch Radio Sports. This is. this is Switch.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Basketball Podcast here at Switch Radio and today ladies the gentlemen, we've got, I want to call him the Basketball Psychopedia. Tell him anything he knows about it. He knows a lot about the West Midlands basketball scene. So it didn't feel right to not have him on this week's episode. He's also been doing amazing stuff. He's also won an award, you might have heard about it, BEWM Media Volunteer of the Year. He's done a tiny bit of coaching, so let's get straight into him. This is Bal Birdie. Nice to have you on the show, Bal.
0: Thanks for having me, Ethan.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the West Midlands basketball community. You're known inside of it for your website, Basketball in Birmingham. So for those who might not know about your website or your Facebook page, for matters such. Can you please explain it to people and what, what it's all about? Yeah, sure. Uh, well,
0: Basketball in Birmingham is a page that I created on Facebook to try and bring the, the basketball community in Birmingham together. It's mainly to promote the game at all levels. So it can be from junior, under nines even, all the way up to senior men's. Now, one thing, I've, I've been involved in West Midlands basketball for a long time. One thing that I did notice was how fractured the community had become. So the idea was to try and get everyone together on the same page, basically promoting the game, because we, we have a hell of a lot of talented players within the region. So it was a case of promoting the game and yeah, just getting everyone on the same page and pushing Birmingham basketball.
1: Would you say your Facebook page is mainly made out of fans of the game or coaches and players? What would you say the kind of main... Yeah, I would
0: say mainly coaches and players who I try and um, push or impress upon these coaches to host on the page. So whether they have coaching sessions or whatever, put it out on the page, try and get everyone involved. Uh, We also have players who may be playing within the BBL at home, or they may be playing abroad. There's a lot of guys from Birmingham. So we try and promote those guys as well. People like Miles Hessen, who has been playing in France. Kofi Josephs was playing out in Germany. He had a spell in Iceland before coming back to the BBL with Glasgow Rocks in Scotland. And then last season, he was with the Worcester Wolves. So yeah, coaches and players, but obviously there's fans as well. And there's also casual players as well. So people can put up scrimmage if there's scrimmages that are happening or local runs, people can post on the page and you know, if anyone wants to do, go to a scrimmage, then you know, at least they know about it. So it communication as well more than anything.
1: So you mentioned there about a couple of players who are playing abroad and the local talent. From when you started watching it, what would you say, about fifteen years ago is when maybe you got into basketball in the West Midlands scene?
0: <laughs> you have to go back a lot further than that. Probably, I think I qualified as a table official back in 1981, so that's nearly 40 years ago.
1: So in about 40 years, how would you say the progression of talent around the West Midlands area has seen? Or do you feel like it's gotten bigger? Do you feel there's maybe more players playing abroad, playing at a higher level? Or would you say maybe it's the same or maybe there's less?
0: Well, there's no doubt about it. The 1980s, it was the golden age for West Midlands basketball. Basketball in general, I think, in, in the UK, the 1980s were the halcyon days. With regards to our own area, there were a lot more players that were playing professionally. If you looked at the top league, before it became the BBL in 1987, it was called the Carlsberg League. And most clubs, if not all clubs within the Carlsberg League, had at least a couple of players from our region who were playing for them. Some had more than two. There were that many good players coming out of Birmingham, that there just wasn't enough roster spots on the Bullets team for them to stay in Birmingham. So they played for other clubs, far as Portsmouth, Solent down south, up to Sunderland in the northeast.
1: Why do you think that is? Do you think maybe that's because, obviously, Michael Jordan was playing inside the 80s, and you had the NBA's golden era. was probably the 80s had to be massive... Grand or do you feel that it's all around the UK country, not just inside the West Midlands, where it's kind of dropped off?
0: Well, it was a perfect storm, really, like you say. Uh, Around about 1980, basketball got a real shot in the arm when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, have you heard of those guys? Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came into the league together, I think it was in the 1979-1980 season, and then basketball started being televised on BBC from what I can remember. And then round about 1982 was when Channel 4 came on board and they promoted minority sports as well. So the 82, 83 season, you started to get live televised games on a Monday night. It was Monday night basketball. The very first game was actually the Birmingham Bullets versus Crystal Palace from the old Aston Villa Leisure Centre. So you had BB, well, it was, called, it was called National Basketball League back then. So you had the NBL, as it was known back then, on Monday nights. And then Channel 4 also started doing NCAA basketball. So that was a college basketball scene in America. So I think '83 you had the Final Fours. And you had teams like the Houston Cougars, who had Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler, and then you had the Georgetown Hoyers, who had Patrick Ewing. So, you know, you had Ewing and Olajuwon going at each other at the college level. So, yeah, it was the perfect storm uh, back in the early 80s, and the game just grew. The following year, 1984, Olajuwon got drafted number one, Michael Jordan got drafted number three, and, of course, Jordan just exploded blowed it onto the NBA scene and he was the heir apparent to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson who you had that Lakers Boston rivalry so yeah like I said it was a perfect storm and basketball just grew from there I think and obviously it was that was at the top level and everything trickled down so everybody wanted to be a, a Magic Johnson or a Larry Bird or a Michael Jordan
1: So you mentioned at the top level, I feel like we're probably getting that a tiny bit more again with the Commonwealth Games coming to Birmingham and the basketball being the main premier sport. Well, I would say the main premier sport to be featured inside the city. Obviously, we've seen Hakeem Olajuwon go out inside the community and promoting the event. Do you feel maybe this kind of basketball could be the major thing to get basketball back in the West Midlands on the map or inside the UK, for For example, with the Commonwealth Games and the amount of power that the basketball community inside of Birmingham, with Achim Lodge and with all these amazing players coming over to Birmingham, do you feel this could be a major thing to get people involved?
0: Well, most definitely. The one thing Birmingham lacks, obviously, we don't have a senior professional men's team in the BBL or even in NBL Division One. So the Commonwealth Games, it will put the spotlight on Birmingham. And what Birmingham needs, we do need a professional club. Whether it happens or not, we'll wait and see. But hopefully, in answer to your question, investors might be be looking on. You know, we have the Commonwealth Games there. Like you say, Hakim Olajuwon, what a great ambassador to have for the city. And investors may be looking on and thinking, you know, there's an opportunity here. Birmingham is a sleeping giant. In the basketball world, Birmingham is a sleeping giant. We've always had the players, the talent's always been here. Uh, We've always had the coaches. What we haven't got is a venue. So if the Commonwealth Games can maybe bring investment into the sport, into the city, I think it will be a great thing.
1: So you mentioned there about the top-tier leagues. Obviously, there's many teams inside the top division. We used to have a Birmingham team. There used to be the Coventry Crusaders that used to play inside the top division both unfortunately folded and now the most local team would probably be the Worcester Wolves, who see quite good success at their arena. What's your opinion on the kind of league? Because obviously we've got two women's teams inside the top women's division of basketball, inside the WNBL. So what's your kind of opinion on the basketball league in general? Well,
0: in general, I think... uh... What the leagues lack today are real stars, you know, someone that you can get excited about to go and watch play. When professional basketball was in Birmingham, whether it was the 80s or the 90s, the 90s were great for Birmingham basketball as well. You had star players, I mean, just give you some names, not, not from Birmingham, but say Kingston were coming to town, you knew that Steve Bontrager and Dan Davis were coming and everyone would get excited. Oh, Traeger's in town, we've got to get to the game. Or if it was, um, I don't know, Portsmouth, when Colin Irish and Alan Cunningham were there, it was like, oh, Irish and Cunningham are coming to town. Uh, later on, Kingston in the 90s, you had players like Alton Bird. I mean, you're talking real marquee names, top, top players, who people would just go to watch them play. With the leagues now, unfortunately, you don't get those top players. It is more um, team-orientated. However, what the league lacks is stars. Now, if we had that star power in the league, I think fans would be drawn back to the game.
1: So, coming back to you, you most recently gained the BEW Media Volunteer Award. What was it like winning that award and to those who might not know much about the award can you just give me a brief explanation on what it is that you won?
0: Yeah that was actually um, a real surprise I was uh, down in London celebrating my daughter's uh, 18th birthday and I just logged onto Facebook and, and there it was um, so yeah it was I think the award was for promoting the game certainly within Birmingham and the, and the West Midlands region I do have a Like you're aware, I have a couple of pages on Facebook which, you know, promotes the game locally as such. And, you know, I was was lucky enough that the, the people who were adjudicating on the award decided to give it to me.
1: So obviously, as well as this, you've been inside the game 40 years. But the most recent thing that you've been doing is becoming a coach for the Broadway Casino inside of the West Midlands Basketball League. For those who might not know much about the club, whereabouts are you set up and what is it exactly that the club does?
0: Well, Broadway Casino Club came about, I think we started scrimmaging back in 2012, 2013. It was with a friend of mine who actually worked at the casino and he said, he actually asked me, oh, you want to start playing again, Bell?" And I says, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a run, um, been out of the game a long, long time. So he, he invited several of his work colleagues, mainly Europeans. And as you may be aware, um, the sport's big in uh, mainland Europe. So they all wanted to play. And it turned out that a lot of these players were pretty good. They were, you know, very useful basketball players. And then I think a couple of seasons down the line of uh, just scrimmaging and playing together, they're wanting to enter the league. So management at Broadway says, yeah, you know, enter the league. It will be good for, um, it'll be good for their workplace to get their name out there. And obviously it, it, it will build. It's good for team building. So we started out in Division 4 of the West Midlands League. And first season we finished runners-up. Uh, we won our, we needed to win our last game, and we won it by two points in the dying seconds. So that got us promotion into Division Three. Uh, we got into Division Three, and we needed, we knew we needed to um, strengthen the team. There were some very good teams actually in Division Three, um, who shouldn't have been playing in Division Three. There was there were a couple of guys. Uh, one who used to work for the casino, and another guy who who was actually a member of the casino. They came along and they started playing and we finished runners-up again in Division 3. The following season, which was two seasons ago, the league had a restructure. So rather than going into Division 2, they put us into Division 1, which was a very tough league. There were some good players. But at the same time, Grosvenor Casino, who was a rival casino to Broadway Casino, they folded. So a couple of players came across from Grosvenor Casino to Broadway Casino. And we had a very good team that season. We actually went on to win the league in Division One and we won the playoffs as well, which got us promoted to the premier division of the West Midlands League. Now, for those who don't know about the Premier Division, it's literally a semi-pro league. There are some really good players in that league. But of course, um, COVID-19 came along. The season's been cut short and, you know, so the team has actually been farmed out, as it were. And I'm not sure if, if we're running next season. We might take a year out and we'll see what happens the following season. With everything going on right now, we're not sure what uh, what the future is for Broadway Casino Basketball Club.
1: So you mentioned that you finished second, then you won the division. You finished second again, then you won the division. What's been the recipe to success, I guess? Because obviously, for four years to get two promotions and then to make it into a top division, starting from the bottom from scrimmages. What's been your success from? you said two years before that you're doing scrimmages, so around six years you managed to get promoted into what was going to be the second division of the West Midlands Basketball League. What was your kind of success story to do that?
0: Yeah, well, I think um, the talent was always there. The talent in the team was there. Some of the guys didn't know how to play a team game or a structured game as such so it was trying to get them all uh, on the same page so players know their roles you know within within the team game of basketball e- everyone knows their roles everyone has a job to do they work for each other chemistry was good for the most part and that was that was a recipe for success really I and mean, you know it, it all slotted in together i mean it got to a point that everyone wanted to play for us (laughs) you know we had other people a lot of people asking I want to play for you guys and it became fun Uh, it it was a lot of fun for the guys And if they enjoy playing it's you know they enjoyed playing and they enjoyed winning so you know it was uh, that that was a secret to success really pretty simple
1: So I asked this before in our last interview and I was wondering what it is today. So you started off as a super fan, then you started playing. What's the kind of transition like turning into a coach from a player? And what kind of different understanding on the game do you get? Do you think you learn different things? Is it, or like how hard is it to go from playing to then coaching, do you feel?
0: Well, I was actually, Playing in the West Midlands League back in the '90s, and I think it was up until the year I mean, I was player coach for Aston Manor, a team called Aston Manor Eagles that played out of Aston Manor School. And we were very successful then as well. It was same principles really. I um, can't remember what league we started off in, but we, we won Division three. And then we got promoted, we won Division 2, and then we won the Rose Bowl. But then that team folded after about three years, unfortunately. I had a 12-year hiatus from the game, really, in the West Midlands League. Uh, Although, like I say, I was still following the game. Uh, I was still a fan of the game. So going back into coaching, you know, it was fun. It was a challenge, but it was fun. I enjoyed doing it if I didn't enjoy doing it, I wouldn't have done it. There were a lot of challenges, like I say, uh, a new set of guys from the guys I played with in the 90s. hell of a lot of talent, to be honest. And it was just a case of managing that talent, keeping everyone happy. And like I said, if they were happy and they were winning, it was a simple secret to success.
1: Do you feel there's been a start of change in the way players play since when you were Coaching I stuff. think
0: so. Yes. Yeah. That's a that's a good question. I think nowadays players are a lot more athletic. It's very much um, an up and down type scenario where you you know where you're running. It's not the the length of the basketball court is 94 feet, so players have to play the full 94 feet. If you roll that back to the 90s, you had big guys who would play inside. You'd play a half court game where you Get the ball inside to the big guy. He'd go to work, and if he was double or tree, three, he'd throw it out to the shooter. Whereas now you've got become more of a more of a small man's league. So it's gone from being a centers league to a point guard league, really. And this is where I was saying earlier about you look at the top leagues. Whatever whatever happens in the NBA, it seems to trickle down. You know, even to the West Midlands League. So you got you got guys like Steph Curry, et cetera, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, what they do in the NBA, it trickles down to these younger guys to what they're doing now.
1: Do you feel that's another factor of success? So seeing seen that recently the City of Birmingham Rockets had a very young talent who just signed to go to America to play in the college over there. Do you feel that the talent... And then you have like OG Ananobi, who plays for the Raptors, who's born inside the UK. Do you feel that's a kind of success thing there where the higher that people feel they're getting better, they move on to different leagues rather than staying inside the kind of Birmingham space, like if it's to Europe or to the kind of like American scene at a young age, do you feel? If you have the talent,
0: you need to challenge yourself. So whether that involves moving into Europe or moving into America, I think it's a positive step. I mean, I know um, there was a guy from Leicester who went on to play for Real Madrid. Obviously, Real Madrid had Luka Doncic as a 14-year-old, and he's doing great things now in the NBA. So for Alisson, I think you're you're talking about Alisson at CLB, I think for, for him to move to the States to a high school, I think it's a very good move.
1: So you're known for Birmingham inside the community for your basketball knowledge. Got a tiny bit of it there. You say that you've been in it for around over forty years now. So take us back around years, yeah. take us around about forty years ago. How did you first get into the basketball scene or just into basketball in general?
0: <laughs> well, wow. it was the Harlem Globetrotters that got me really interested in basketball. I mean, you got, you're going back a few years from 1980. So you're going back to about 77, 78. I saw the Harlem Globetrotters. I think it was probably on one of the... BB, I think it was on BBC One. They showed them and the razzmatazz, you know, everything, the pizzazz, the Razmatars, all the trick. Really fell in love with the game. And then obviously uh, a couple of years later, you had, like I said, in 1979, you had Larry Bird and Magic Johnson both drafted into the NBA, and they really changed the landscape once they were drafted. Certainly for the next 10 years, those two dominated the game, and Boston celtic l a Lake rivalry was, was unparalleled, really.
1: So, obviously, watching it is one thing. How did you then get into playing, playing the sport? I know, when do you feel you first got the idea to say, OK, I enjoy watching this, let's take this more serious and start playing the game of basketball? Well, it was actually,
0: uh, the school I went to, we had a lot of talented basketball players in all the age groups, not just my age group, and below as well. There was certainly in my age group, there was one guy, he was an England, international school boy. A year below me, there was a guy called Tony Sims. I don't know if you've heard of him. Tony Sims, uh, he went on to have a great career, England, Great Britain International, and also he had a great career in the BBL with the Birmingham Bullets and a few other clubs, he he went to America on a, on a basketball scholarship, so we had a lot of very, very good players within the school, and I, that's how I got involved in playing. I was probably uh, the tenth man off the, you know at the end of the bench type of thing, but yeah, I, I just loved being part of it. So I went away to uni, came back to Birmingham, and again started playing with some guys back in the early nineties, and just got involved in. Um, with a few friends in some basketball clubs. Eventually, I became player coach, like I said, of the Aston Manor Eagles towards the late 90s. That's how I got into the coaching side of things.
1: So, you mentioned some great players during this interview. Who would you say has been the best players in. Well, we'll, we'll go UK based for now. So, inside the Birmingham area, we saw one that you've watched maybe inside of a game or someone that you played with, that have played inside the BBL, they could have played for England international, you'd say, if you named a starting five, who would make that time starting five, do you feel?
0: Ooh, oh, starting five, that's, that's tough. But, um, I mean, like I said to you, uh, at 1981, I was, uh, that's when I qualified as a table official. And I used to table all the Birmingham schools finals. So, I saw players from under-14 level all the way up to under-19 level. Now, you're talking about a starting five from Birmingham or the West Midlands. Uh, are, you talk, are we talking at the it men's can be
1: level? England-based, they can be based outside of Birmingham, if you would like. Okay, okay, okay. So They could just be someone that you've had a trap with or someone that you've seen play. Someone that just caught your eye.
0: Wow, oh, there's, there's, there's too many and... Uh, I apologise to anyone if I I leave them out, but I think point guard has got to be Mike Landell. He would be the point guard. Um, Shooting guard, I will go with Tony Sims. Small forward, I've got to go with Miles Hessen at small forward.
1: I don't think many people will know much about him. Do you... Mind giving a couple of words about him and what he did?
0: Well, Miles Hessen is, he is an exception, to be honest. He's a player who, I think he may, I'm not sure when he took the game up, but he may have taken the game up relatively late and he developed his talents here at home. So I think he played for Essex in the BBL. I know he played for Mersey Tigers, but then he went abroad to, you know, to really develop his talents. He, he was in Germany, I know that, and then, like I said, he's been in France for probably the last four years, and he's now got himself to the stage where he's Great Britain captain. I mean, in my opinion, he's, he's the best player we've got. He's the best player in the Great Britain team. I'm not just saying that because he's from Birmingham, but if you look at the team's performances you know certainly over the last year he he's been the shining light so yeah miles hessen a local boy from great bar school who's done good like i said mo- mo- most players they go abroad you know to develop their talents. miles is someone who did it at home so miles would be my starting for a uh, small forward so Power forward, I will go with Kenny Scott. Again, another 80s guy, same, same as Mike Landau. Um, Kenny and Mike were both 17 when they were playing four Birmingham Bullets in the BBL. He went on to Tulane University in America. And when he came back, he signed for Kingston. So he played under Kevin Cadill. He had a fantastic career. Went abroad to Portugal france and i think japan as well sadly his career got curtailed by injury but i'd put kenny scott as my starting power forward uh and the man in the middle would have to be martin henlon he's another guy sadly not involved in the sport at the moment he's a media man um no longer involved in basketball but he's from shenley court comprehensive school um who went on to play for Virginia, yeah, he played for Virginia Commonwealth University in the NCAA, England, Britain international, another guy who played a lot of his career for Kevin Cadle at Kingston and Guildford. Uh, very, very solid big man. So that would be my starting five. So we've got Mike Lendell, Tony Sims, Miles Hesson, Kenny Scott, and Martin Henlon.
1: Sounds like a very good start at five. And if you had to go NBA, we'll go Mount Rushmore, obviously. We'll go top five. Oh, oh can I name five? I was going to say, oh. Mount, I, I call Mount Rushmore top five. I don't really even. That's okay. That's
0: okay. Because okay. if you said four, I would be struggling.
1: No, no, no. So, I, Matt, I, I, We have to go five or three. But I, I like top five. Too. Oh, five. Okay, let's go five.
0: well, wow. Favourite player of all time for me was uh, Michael Jordan. I was watching The Last Dance literally every day when it came out in lockdown, putting aside two hours a day just to watch episodes. I've got to put Magic Johnson on there. So that's two. Uh, Another guy I'd have on there is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.
1: One of my favourite players of all time.
0: He was the most dominant uh, college player of all time. Last
1: one game um, in high school and college combined? Yeah, I mean, in uh, in college,
0: I don't think... In his first year as a freshman, he w- I don't think he was allowed to play college basketball in, 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 in the tournament. But in his other three years that he played, he went on to win the uh, NCAA tournament and they banned dunking, like you say. So... I would, I would have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on there with Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. Now, the other two guys, I think, are going to have to be Larry Bird. You know, I, I, I can't overlook his achievement. Uh, I think for three, year, three years in a row in the 80s, when he won MVP between 84 and 86, he was just the totally dominant player.
1: Won three, the, was it two or three three-point competitions as well? which back
0: then... Yeah. yeah, there was that as well. Never um, even
1: seen back then. Probably yeah. the best player yeah. for him shooting freeze was Pistol Pete, but he's honestly one of the best of all time. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, the 1986 uh, Boston Celtics team was one of the best teams. So yeah, L- Larry Bird, and the fifth guy would have to be Wilt Chamberlain. Didn't get to see him much, but... Obviously, um, later on, um, I managed to see some tape of him and what he did. So, yeah, that would, that would be my Mount Rushmore. So, we've got Michael Jordan. So, we've got Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem
1: Abdul-Jabbar. I noticed they're all very old players. Are there any young players, like recent ones? If it be Kobe or LeBron, that might. Now, I like well, Kobe. I think I
0: think I think both Kobe and LeBron are great. Well, sadly, Kobe's past you know real real loss. Um, but Kobe was a great player in his time, no doubt about it. I think he got his game from Michael Jordan. He said that himself, didn't he? Hallover of a player, Kobe Bryant. And to be fair, LeBron James is a hall of a player as well. But I just don't think people make comparisons. No one compares to Jordan. Give those guys their due. I'll give LeBron, great player his dues. Kobe, Le- Kobe uh, bright, great player. I'll give him his dues as well. There are a lot of great players uh, in the league. there's no doubt about it. And there has been, um, over the last 15, 20 years, I just don't think they're at the level that guys like Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, etc, uh, Kareem, Wilt and Magic Johnson were at.
1: But yeah, we'll finish it up there. Thank you, Val, for featuring this uh, week's episode. We'll put all your social media inside the description if you guys want to join in basketball in Birmingham. And we'll put the Broadway Casino because they are an amazing club. and You have an amazing story there, Val. And hopefully, you might be able to win another award in the near future.
0: I also, Ethan, I also have a, I also run a, a retro site, uh, BBL 80s, 90s which um, celebrates uh, basketball in the 80s and 90s. That's another page I run um, on Facebook. If you want me to send, you know, send you the link I can do.
1: There you go. For any of you guys who are into retro basketball, maybe you guys were Chicago Bulls fans, maybe you guys watched The Last Dance and want to know a tiny bit more about the 80s and 90s.
0: Yeah, it's mainly mainly British, so... uh, if anybody know, everybody wants to know the history of the game back in the 80s and the 90s. Then BBL 80s 90s is a the site they want to they want to join and uh, and look through.
1: Well, I'll definitely be joining that, Bell, so I could learn a tiny bit more because you've got so much information. And thank you for joining us today, and we will see you one time thank on the next too. episode of the podcast. Yeah. Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch.